Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. We are doing something a little bit different today, and uh, that is we're having what we call a Q&A Sunday. Actually, it would be better to call it a Q&R Sunday, a question and response Sunday, because the truth of the matter is, is we're not up here because we have all the answers. We're not up here because, you know, we're going to be the Bible answer men, but we're up here to take questions from you and to continue along the theme of what we've been preaching on for the last couple of months. And so if you're new here, just to kind of give you a little bit of background, we've been in a series called Supernatural. And in that series, we've been looking at the reality that God is a supernatural God. That God is a supernatural God, that the God who created everything created everything miraculously, that the God who redeemed everything through His Son redeems everything supernaturally, and that God who is supernatural is continuing to work in the earth, even at this time, miraculously, supernaturally. That the God of the Bible is a God who performed miracles, sick people were healed, words of prophecy were given, other, other gifts of the Holy Spirit were released, and lives were changed, and that that same God, in fact, the Scripture tells us in Hebrews 13.8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so because we serve a God who never changes and a Jesus who never changes, we've been talking about how God wants to use us and move in our lives supernaturally. And today we want to give you the opportunity to text us some questions and ask us some questions. We did this in the first service and we got a lot of great questions and a few really goofy ones. No, just kidding. There's no such thing as a bad question. Well, yes, there is, but I will never admit that. No, but we, we want you to send us questions, but we want to keep it on topic around the issue of, you know, God's supernatural nature and His supernatural works in the earth. And so um, I want to start just by reading a couple of scripture texts to you, and then we'll pray together. Notice Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, to anoint in the Bible was something that happened to prophets, priests, and kings. When they came into their office, they would have oil put on their heads and, and the word anoint means to like rub it in, okay? And the idea was, is they were coming into this specific purpose or function, and the anointing oil represented the divine ability of God working through them. So when the Bible speaks of someone being anointed, it captures two ideas, authority and power. You are given the authority for this office, and now there is the power to perform what you're being called to do. Okay, so, so in this case, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So I want you to notice, he went about doing good, and what did he do? He healed, he released people from oppression because God was with him. The second text I want you to see is Mark 16.20, and this is in the New Living Translation. And we see how Jesus handed off the baton to the disciples. He did these works, and then he gave his disciples the baton to continue it. And the Scripture teaches that if you're a believer in Jesus or a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple. The, The word disciple simply means a student, an apprentice, or a learner. 
So all of you here are apprentices, your students, your learners, and you've been given the baton that Jesus had. And so look at what the disciples did. It says the disciples went everywhere and they preached and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would be with us in this session, that you would help us to know what to say, and if we need to say we don't know, to say we don't know. And Lord, we pray that you would even cause there to be a a dialogue among us, and that we would learn together and grow together in the knowledge of the supernatural God that you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to turn it over to Noah, and Noah's going to be the, the question guy. So for my, hello, check, check. For my, hello, check, check. There Whoa. we go. <laughs> Happens to the best of us, right? <laughs> for my first question, um, the question goes like this. Um, how do you know or how can you tell if something is supernatural or just something's natural happened? So how do you know when you know the presence of God or when something supernatural is happening? That's like, say, like in a dream or, or if you're just like feeling the presence of God, you're like, how do I know that's God? How do I know that's just not my mind or maybe just like the atmosphere? How do you tell when the Lord is moving supernaturally and when he's not? Uh, for me, in my experiences, I guess, if I can try to one-line it, but um, I always look at it, whatever my experience is, is do I see this in the scripture somewhere, you know, and start, start there. I feel like, the, I know that's a really safe answer, but, but the truth is, I, I think with things like that, that's not a, a bad approach, is to make sure I'm like, okay, this is what I'm experiencing right now, do I see some example of this in the scripture? And so I think that's a great place to start. And I would follow up with does this cause my attention to turn toward God and toward Jesus? So um, if I find that it's drawing my attention somewhere else, because we know that there are other supernatural influences, right? There are paranormal activities. We know there are spirits. We know that the Bible says there are demons, there are angels, there's God, there's the human soul, the human spirit. So we have many sources in the spiritual realm that exist And one of the ways we know that a particular activity is from God is that it will draw our attention to the God of the Bible, and it will draw our attention specifically to his work, to Jesus Christ, and for us to think more highly of him. So it will confirm scripture, and it will draw our attention to the nature and the character of God. Um, Here's another question. Um, What do you do when you're in a dry spot spiritually? after you had a lot of great spiritual experiences. There's another question that was kind of a little similar to it. It's um, how do you combat not feeling the presence of God? You ever been there? When you know the presence of God, and then you're maybe in even just worship, and you're like, I felt God before, but in this moment, I don't feel him. Or maybe in the season, I don't feel God anymore. How do you walk through that, wrestle with that, or how does that look? I love that you used the word season because some, sometimes I'll talk to Christians or I've even heard preachers that will make this statement that if you're really walking with God, you'll never experience a dry time. 
what you would call a dry time. They'll say that, you know, you can, you can be throughout your life without any dry times. And, uh, and I just kind of laugh about that stuff because I, it doesn't confirm the story of biblical characters. It doesn't confirm the story of Christians throughout all of the, the history of, of the church. And uh, so the reality is, is we have seasons. Um, but seasons are really interesting because have you ever, you know, looked out at a tree during the winter? And I actually wrote a poem about this months ago. I was looking out my back window and I saw this tree in the backyard, and as I looked at it, it looked dead, lifeless, there were no leaves, there was no green about it, and immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm doing an awful lot under the surface. What's going on in the ground is deeper and wider, and it can't be seen right now, but I'm preparing for the spring inside that tree. And it reminded me that we too, we go through seasons where God does a deep work inside of us, but on the outside, we don't feel anything. It seems like God went away. It seems like he's super distant, and it's discouraging. But I I want to tell you that Christians cannot live by feelings or by their sensations. We can't live by our five senses. We have to live by faith. And what that means is we learn to trust that what the Bible says is above what we feel. And this is what the Bible says, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're redeemed, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, God lives in you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. The Holy Spirit indwells you, and so what what we learn is we learn that Scripture is true, and our feelings can go up and down and all around, but Scripture is true and God is faithful. Yeah, that was was pretty much, that was my answer too. Thanks man, I appreciate that, I took that. (laughs) Um, I, I guess another, you know, what I kind of go to is um, really similar in, in the sense that uh, what I've experienced and what I know to see in the scripture, those are the things that are going to define how I live my life, not how I feel. And I, I, uh, I any sports fans here, um, I'm sure there, there's a few. I grew up playing sports, but because you're in a slump when it comes to maybe your, your, uh, your baseball player, right, you're hitting, you don't stop swinging. Uh, a basketball player, even though you want him to stop shooting so bad because he's missing every single shot, you cannot stop shooting. And so that's the same discipline for Christians. Like you still do the same disciplines that you've always done because you can't get out of that by doing the opposite, if, that's, if that makes sense. <laughs> so that's kind of what I go to is just the disciplines of doing it. And if I can give you just a piece of maybe parting advice, um, it'd be to go read the Psalms. Um, in scripture, um, Psalms was written by David, King David, and King David was a wild man <laughs> with very high highs and very low lows. And you can read some of the Psalms and you would see at the beginning, where are you, Lord? <laughs> or kill me now. <laughs> he uses a few different <laughs> phrases. <laughs> and then you see through the process him saying, but yet you're still good. And yet you're still God. And yet you're still in control. So if you're going through that season, if that's you, you're like, man, I, I would say go read the Psalms. It's very relatable, but very encouraging too. Um, the next question I have is, um, how, how do I know what spiritual gifting I have? Um, so how do you even find that out? How do you even know what you have? We see in Scripture there's a lot of different spiritual giftings from prophecy, from word of knowledge, to teaching and preaching. Um, to healing, how do 
you know as an individual what giftings I have. Um, you try a lot of things and, and see what sticks. That's what. <laughs> um, I, we, we talked a little bit about this first service too, but I, I think, you know, you find out by just trying. You find out by like, okay, you know, do I have the gift of healing? Let's, um, I'm going to lay hands on this person and, and you know, I'm going to step out in faith and trust that the Lord is, is going to meet me in that. Um, and I think, you know, I guess when, again, I, I tend to come back to the disciplines of just like, it's going to feel really uncomfortable. Sometimes you don't really know until you just try a lot of things. And, um, and then you'll, I, I think naturally there's going to be some things that you're like, I feel like I'm really good at this. And it seems like I'm really good at this. And then there'll be some other things that you're like, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a bad time. And I probably shouldn't do that again. <laughs> so. There are spiritual gifts tests that exist out there as well that you can take. And, and I would encourage you to take a spiritual gifts test, but, but uh, I would say that please don't let that spiritual gifts test either put you in a box, you know, or limit you and or understand that most of us are not really that great at self-assessment. And so many of the tests that we take to assess, you know, where we're at and what we can do are a little skewed. And so we have to recognize that the advice to try some stuff is really important. I mean, you'll know it. There's, there's something that happens when you're doing something you've been created by or gifted by God to do. There's, there's life that flows into you. There's a sense of joy, of fulfillment. Like you, you know, like, man, I, I, I'm doing good at this. I mean, and it feels good. You know, it's like I got on that horse and rode and it was fun. You know, you can actually, a lot of people don't realize that when you're moving with God, doing what you were created to do. There's a lot of pleasure and joy that comes in it as well. So find those things that life you and give you pleasure as well. Yeah, and the more you walk with the Lord, you'll, you'll kind of be naturally drawn to whatever gifting that you have. Um, I think that all of us can say that even for pastoral ministry. It's like all of us were pastoring whoever was around us. <laughs> and even if, you know, even if we weren't pastors, like at an official job position, would I lose my calling or my, you know, my pastoral gifting? No. In college, they used to call me the dad of dorm four. Um, it's because, like, guys would just always be asking me or crying on my couch. And I didn't want them to. and <laughs> Because there's just that natural gift that comes out of you. And that can be a lot of things. Like, you may just be like, man, I feel like I have, like, a word for them. Or I need to pray for them. Or you see a sick person, you're like, I feel like I laid hands on them. Or you maybe have laid hands on someone and they've been healed. So I feel like this the closer you go with the Lord, you begin to feel that natural pull and that tendency. Then you need to exercise it. Pastor Drew talks about a lot of where it is a muscle. It is a muscle. And the more you exercise it and the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Um, this is a good question. Why doesn't God show himself to people like he used to in the Old Testament? For example, the burning bush. That'd be wild. Um, why does it seem like miracles that Jesus performed, turning water into wine, healing blind, healing the blind, don't happen anymore? Well, uh, it is. This is a very complex answer. Uh, I'll start with the first part, and that is that um, actually the Lord is doing really incredible things throughout the earth. We have to remember. Many times when we read the Bible, that the Bible was very localized. 
And so those miracles were happening right there at that time, and only those people who were aware of them were seeing them. And then you had this giant globe where people were inhabiting, and they weren't seeing those things happen. And what we have to recognize right now is that the Holy Spirit is doing things all around the world like He never has in history. And in some places, there's greater activity. So you can, there are testimonies all over the earth right now. You can go look, look some of them up right online. But there are examples of people right now being raised from the dead. Right now on planet earth. There are examples of blind eyes being opened regularly. Of deaf ears hearing. I personally have, have prayed for someone and had a deaf ear open. Okay, I've, I've personally prayed for someone who had a terminal, um, a terminal uh, liver cancer disease. And they were being sent home to die, and we prayed for them, and they were healed. Um, and now, I'm, it's not, that was Jesus that did it. It was Jesus the healer. So, but, but the thing is, is we see in the Bible, we read it, and it's like a highlight film. It's like if you turn on ESPN, a three-hour football game can be shown in 30 seconds of highlights, and we're seeing a highlight film, but we don't recognize this takes place over long periods of time in one localized place in the earth, but God is still working miracles. Now, some of the miracles like burning bushes, um, water to wine, things like that, I'm not saying God can't do those. In fact, I've read some testimonies of food multiplying. I, I know specifically of some stories in places where there was large groups of people that needed to be fed, and there was only a little bit of food, and the people there were like, oh, I guess we can try what Jesus did. And they prayed, and sure enough, the food started to multiply. So those things can still happen. But, but I would say that one thing we have to recognize is we live in the time of the greatest sign of all, and that is that God incarnated himself and became a man and came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so people in the Old Testament were longing for what we experience and we get to know God personally, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us today. So we're recipients of the greatest miracle of all, and that is that God lives inside of us, and God speaks and works through us in the time that we live. So I hope, hope that helped. You guys want to add to that? Yeah, that, was, that was amazing. Uh, I, I think just on a really maybe a more singular thing is that salvation is a miracle. You know what I mean? Like some, I think sometimes we don't, I don't know why, but if you look in the scriptures about how, how Paul talks about salvation, it's, it's miraculous. It's miraculous that you're here right now. Sometimes we take for granted like your experience with Jesus and the fact that you changed your mind about who Jesus was, right? He's either, you know, uh, my brother Joel last week when he was preaching, like he was talking, he's like, he's either a crazy person or he's exactly who he said he is. And so if you've accepted that, like, Jesus is God, that's a miracle, you know? And so what I would say is that, and there's miracles happening all over the earth right now in literally every single country. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can look around this room and even think of myself and who I was and then who I am now. <laughs> think about that. <laughs> that's a miracle in your life. You are the product of a supernatural miracle in your life. Come on. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And I think that's it's really good because as much as that could happen to you, that couldn't have happened to you. And we know people like that where they, they never have that life change and they never encounter Jesus. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, the Pente this is another question that came in. Um, the Pentecostal perspective on evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Um, 
there's another question that kind of like comboed with that. Is that the only evidence and how does that work out? Uh, I would say our, our view as a church is that it's not, that's an evidence. It's not the only evidence. And um, yeah, and I'm going to let Doug answer the rest of that. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's a lot of things you can look through. I mean, again, I, I, I hate to say this, it sounds, but we're in church, so I, I guess it's okay to say, read the Bible. Read, read your New Testament and look through some of the, the gifts of the Spirit that are examples. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, words of wisdom. Uh, it talks about people speaking, uh, even people who serve other people. Um, those are all gifts of the Spirit. It's not just being able to speak in, in the heavenly language. Um, and there's a couple. And the funny thing is, is that Paul even talks about that. Um, I believe it's in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, in 12 through 14, if you want to read some more. Those are really good chapters to get into. But, and he talks about that, basically your personal prayer language being something that's really good, and he encourages it. He's like, I do this, but it's better if you prophesy, and it's better if you speak in words that people can understand. And he's talking about, of course, in, in the midst of, a, of a, an actual gathering of, of believers. And then he goes on to say, you know, love is actually the greatest thing you know, that we need to be looking for it as, as believers. So I guess all that to say, it's an evidence. It's not the only evidence. That is a great answer. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, it really is. I'll add just a little bit to that. Um, the Scripture gives us a number of examples in the New Testament. And when you begin to really dig into what's happening, you see a few different things. The first thing you see is that when a person puts faith in Jesus Christ and becomes a Christian... The Holy Spirit comes to live in them at that moment. They, they're indwelled. In fact, the Scripture teaches they are regenerated. And that comes from even a root word for, you know, Genesis? Regenesis, right? Regenerated. So you get the starting of God in your life in a new way. And then there is this what Pentecostals and Charismatics call a second blessing. And the second blessing theology is the idea that there is a, an experience that follows salvation for empowerment. So you can have power. Now, not everybody experiences tongues as an evidence, but I will, I will say this. I believe if you've been truly baptized in the Holy Spirit, other gifts of the Holy Spirit may be operating through your life, but you may not know it yet because maybe there's a blockage mentally or whatever, but you have already received a prayer language from God, a special prayer language, a gift of the Spirit if you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And that is there, resident within you. And so, um, it, but, but the Scripture seems to indicate that many things happened when people were filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. They, had, they prophesied, they spoke in tongues, they spoke the Word of God boldly. This is just when you go through the book of Acts. So I would encourage you, read through the book of Acts and find every example you can find. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, yeah. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19 all give us examples of what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon people. And you can go find those uh, texts for yourself and read them and you'll see what we're talking about. You'll see that we're right. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> just had to say that for fun. Yeah. When I get questions in, sometimes I like, like to combo questions. 
because a lot of times sometimes they're very very similar so this is three different questions and all of them kind of revolve around um if i have the holy spirit so you feel like you're whole you have the holy spirit why do i keep having sinful urges um and there's a few of them and there's one person talks about romans and it's like hey if i'm a new creation in christ why don't i have freedom from my sinful nature addiction or so on good luck <laughs> it's like, ugh. He groaned. Um, oh, wow. That's a... Can you repeat those questions? One, one more time. Uh, I mean, the really... this Because you're human? That's why. You know, you're, you're a human. And you're wrestling with... Again, this is, uh, this is over, again, in the scripture. I think Paul illustrates it well, but it's like, you're still wrestling with... Your, what, what the scripture calls your flesh, you know? And, um, and so it's really hard because I guess in my own life, if, if someone was asking me that question, they're just like, dude, I'm having a hard time. Um, it, I, I would tend to go to the, what are you feeding your spirit? And what are you feeding your flesh? You know, th- this isn't, th- th- there's a saying, uh, and I don't even know, I think it's a, there was an Indian chief or whatever, but there, there's actually a little bit of a, in the scripture, Paul talks about that. Um, uh, something really similar, but it's like, which dog wins the fight? He has two dogs in battling inside of him. And he's like, the one that I feed. You know? And so the, the, if, if you're doing nothing of the disciplines, right? You have, you've got no prayer life. You've got, you're not reading the scripture. Um, and you're not fellowshipping with other believers in any... I'm not surprised at all. Uh, because you're you're doing nothing to strengthen your inner person, your inner your inner man, and so conversely, I don't know that it's I don't know that you're going to be able to walk some perfect sinless life like Jesus did, because <laughs> maybe you could I don't know, um, but at the same time, if you're not doing anything, you know, to to again strengthen yourself, yeah, you're you're going to fail and you're going to find yourself in addiction and wrapped up in bondage. I'm going to use an Old Testament uh, text of Scripture that's going to be taken completely out of context to illustrate what I'm going to say. So um, there's this text of Scripture. It says, "For the house of David, so the house of David and the house of Saul were continually at war with each other, and the house of David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker." I've often thought that's a great illustration of what happens in the Christian's life. Look. If you see this as the long battle, you're going to notice that you're winning. But if you see it as the short-term failure, you're going to feel like you're losing. But over time, you'll notice that things that you used to battle with daily or every other day, suddenly it's only, you're only battling with them once a week or not as often. As you continually feed your spiritual life and as you grow and you have other people come alongside you, uh, you'll notice that you begin to win for longer periods of time and your losses come less often. And that's, that, that's a victory. And we don't see it that way because in the moment that we fail, it just feels like I'm, I'm a complete loser. And you're not. And that's the beauty of grace. Grace isn't just... You know, isn't just, um, you know, God's going to forgive you and love you and you don't have to worry. Your, your relationship's not in jeopardy. That's the first part of grace. The second part of grace is, and God's going to continually give you power over and over again. And he's going to enable you over and over again to win. And in the long term, you're going to win.
Amen. So don't give up. Never, ever give up. Never quit. The Lord is with you. You're condemning yourself, but he's not condemning you. You're a son. You're a daughter. He's like, get up. Come on. You can win. And being a Christian is a process. Like, it literally is a process where it, it grows you. It changes you. And I always wish it was overnight, but it's not. And we even see the disciples walking with Jesus and living with him and, and walking down dusty roads, and we see them change over time. And it's not over a minute. It's not. They have, like, moments of, like, really heavy failure, or they don't even get it. They don't even understand that he's God. They have moments of denial, like complete denial of Jesus. They're like, nope, don't know the guy. And yet, in that process, Jesus comes back to them, and they change more. And so for us, just know that you're in the middle of process, and you're growing. You're growing. Let's see. Do we want to do one more, or do you just want to do? Okay, we'll do one more. Let's see. This is a good one. Um, do you think that modern or mainstream Christianity has put an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts instead of focusing on the person of Jesus? And isn't, isn't the character of the Holy Spirit to point to Christ? This is a good question. I like that question. Uh, it's a difficult question to answer because it's too broad. Um, modern Christianity has so many faces. I think there's a danger um, of overemphasizing the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit does point us to Jesus. And so um, I, I think it's possible to get too caught up in the gifts, get too caught up in talking about, you know, operating in the gifts and not talking about Jesus enough. That, that's always a danger. But the reality is if you're really having the activity of the Holy Spirit and you're really seeing the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the gifts and the activity of the Holy Spirit are always going to point us to Jesus and to the Father and glorify Jesus and the Father. So even if we're having a lot of prophetic words, those those prophetic words are going to make a big deal about Jesus and his cross, and they're going to show us Jesus. So yes, it's, it's possible, um, but uh, we, we, one of the reasons that you need to regularly emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit is because Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper, and he's going to teach you all the things I ever taught you. And there's a lot of churches that, you know, you don't hear any teaching really about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the activity of the Holy Spirit. You got the Father, the Son, the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Bible rather than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Shown to us through the Bible. And so we have to make sure we regularly bring out the reality of the work, the ministry, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'll just add something. Um, the thing is, it's like if you're in the life of a Christian, you should expect to see and always talk about supernatural things, mm. movement of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, sometimes, you have to, sometimes I have to kind of logically go back in my brain. Um, if you're a Christian, you believe in a little Jewish guy died and is risen and is God. You believe in a supernatural thing. That is what you believe. A man named Jesus died and came back. You believe that the same man, if you're a Christian, fed a bunch of people with a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish. Supernatural. You believe that the same man spit in mud, rubbed it in a dude's eyes, 
and he was blind, and then he can see. Supernatural. So for us, our whole faith and our whole basis is supernatural. Like, <laughs> you can't get away from it. And there's been, there's been this strange disconnect where we don't want to see the supernatural. The supernatural scares us. But our whole faith, our whole experience of our whole Christianity is based in the supernatural. And so for us as believers, we need to expect the supernatural. We need to move in the supernatural. We need to move in these giftings because the Holy Spirit is with you. And you can move in the supernatural. That wasn't just for then. It is for now. And there's people all around this room, including me. I have seen miracles, and I expect to see more. Amen? Amen. Did you guys, did you guys have any parting words? You guys want to put your hands together for Pastor Doug, Pastor Drew. Thank you, guys. Um, sorry I didn't get to all of your questions. Um, there's always some I can't. Um, and if some of those questions you want to talk about or dialogue more, um, we're always open, you know, any of us pastoral staff. But also, if there's people in your life, I would encourage you to go talk with them um, and pray with them. Um, every time I get up here, I am a little intimidated oftentimes because I'll look around the room and there are people who have walked with the Lord <laughs> longer than I've been alive. And those people are sources of wisdom. Those people are sources that you should glean from. So if you have somebody that, like that in your life, go ask them. <laughs> they will probably give you the answer you need. Um, you guys want to stand with me? I'm just going to close out the service.